Luke chapter 13, we're going to pick up in the 18th verse. And through these past few weeks, we've spoken about different aspects of the kingdom of God the power that is available to us in the kingdom of God or as part of the kingdom of God, as the kingdom of God advances, and that power that comes to heal and to manifest and to signs and wonders, all sorts of things. We talked about the kingdom of God in terms of the messengers that are sent out as part of the kingdom. We talked about the kingdom of God in terms of the, the truths of the kingdom of God that are revealed to us as his children. We talked about the kingdom of God in terms of the light, that kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness and how that the kingdom of God allows us to move and live in that light of God. And this morning, I want to speak to you from Luke chapter 13, verses 18 through 35, about the growth of the kingdom of God. What and how does the kingdom of God grow and how does that relate to us? How does that impact our lives? What do we do in response to this, to the fact that the kingdom of God is growing? So we start to read in Luke chapter 18, uh, pardon me, Luke chapter 13, verse 18, and it says this, Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, small and seemingly insignificant. It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you were taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and get, go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, 
How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A few weeks ago on Palm Sunday, we read some verses from Luke chapter 19 with Jesus' triumphal entry into the city. So these things that we're reading here in this chapter are happening before Jesus entered into that city on Palm Sunday in that way. But in Luke chapter 19, we read something very similar, a sentiment expressed by the Lord Jesus, where it said, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And we looked at that portion at that time to say we have to be people who discern the times, who recognize the times, who understand what the Lord is doing in our midst and therefore respond to him. So this morning, as we look at these scriptures and talk about why Jesus speaks in this way about the kingdom of God itself, let us pay attention to how he describes the growth of the kingdom of God. And the first thing that I want to point out to you as he speaks about this mustard seed that grows or the yeast that affects the whole dough. The first point is that the kingdom of God grows slowly but surely. The kingdom of God grows slowly but surely. Jesus does not speak about an explosive growth. He does not speak about the kingdom of God coming upon the earth in its full form. He says the kingdom of God will be like a mustard seed, small, insignificant, dismissed by others. You know, the people around would look at it and say, what is this? This may be just another movement of some kind or some some little fringe thing that's happening. This has no relevance to my life. This has no value to me. And so they, they may be dismissive of the work of God. And, and mind you, in the first century, as Jesus is speaking about this and the apostles are responding to his word, it would have been entirely in that way, that it was entirely insignificant, very small beginnings and so on. Today, there is an established church in the world there is the body of Christ in the world and people are aware of Christianity and you, you're hard-pressed to go to any country in the world today where you would not have heard about Christianity in that sense. However, however, it is very clear that we have to understand that the kingdom of God and the, and the dynamics of the kingdom of God in our time and in our context can be in a similar way having a small beginning. There may be a ministry that we're doing. There may be an outreach from our church. There may be an activity in a specific region. There may be a work of God taking place in a city. And those activities may seem very small, very insignificant, very dism dismissive, right? I mean, it's just, what's this? What is this church trying to do? Or what are these people trying to, ah. And it can be dismissed. But the Lord is pointing out to us 
that when we look to the work of God, we don't have to worry about the size of it or the impact of it or the, the, the form of it. We simply remain faithful to what he has called us to do and it is his responsibility. It is the work, it is the inherent ability of the kingdom of God itself to grow. That mustard seed that is planted, that is nurtured, that is watered, grows because of what is in the seed. And that seed grows. The yeast that is put into the dough affects the whole dough. It grows. It, it goes through the whole dough is what we read about. And so the kingdom of God grows slowly but surely. Another aspect of, the, of that point that I want to make to you is that there is a progressive nature to the way that God works in our lives and the way that he unfolds his purpose and his plan in the world. He allows us to build in a, in a very systematic way. The Bible speaks about us gaining or growing as we are able to get line upon line, precept upon precept, as we go from faith to faith, levels as such, as we go from glory to glory, levels. And it's speaking of this progression. Paul speaks to Timothy and says, let your progress be evident to all. The whole notion of a disciple is one who will be progressing in their walk with the Lord, who are growing closer to God who come to him and wait upon him and are able to receive insight and wisdom that is appropriate for that particular time and then able to propel them, to move them forward to the next stage in their life. It is a progressive nature of the way that the Lord deals with us. Even when the children of Israel came into the promised land, you will notice that God says to them, I'm not giving you the whole land as it is or just you know, you just walk in and everything is there because you wouldn't even be able to take care of it. So I will let you advance in stages. You will take the land a bit at a time. You will possess it progressively so that you're able to handle it, so that you're able to manage it. That's a very important principle for us to keep in mind that we need to be people who are not trying to be like somebody else, who are not looking at some finished result, you know, who are not looking for some other means of God working in our lives. But we would say, Lord, I thank you that I am here. I'm right here. And I don't know all of these things, but I do know this much. And I want to live up to what I have already attained, Philippians 3.16, that we would say, God, I thank you for what you have given me. Now let me live up to that. And then, Lord, thank you that you will take me, take me to the next stage. Then, and when I live up to that, and I'm exercising that, I'm obe obeying what you have commanded me, I'm being faithful, then you will take me to the next level. And I am progressing. So the question we would ask ourselves is, are we progressing? Are we growing? Is there that forward momentum? Not, do I look like that person there? We don't look at ourselves and say, well, I I'm not doing what he's doing. I'm not understanding the word in the way that he seems to understand it. I'm not impacting people the way that he was speaking and doing things. None of that is necessary. 
We simply say, Lord God, I am faithful to what you have called me to. And I thank you that the nature of the work of God in me and in my sphere of influence is to progress, is to advance, is to take step after step, is to run the race with perseverance, the race that is set before us. So you don't have to worry about what you've done in the past as such. You don't have to worry about what you will do in the future. You are focused on taking that next step in the Lord. And you are focused on understanding where the Lord is guiding and leading you. The word of God is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. But it gives you just what you need to take that next step and you keep going. The Bible speaks about disciples as being those who follow in the footsteps of the master, of the rabbi. And you know, when in order to follow in the footsteps, you got to be pretty close behind, right? Because if it's a long time that the person has been down that path and you're trying to catch up, their footprints are not even visible anymore in that dust. But you're close behind, you're right there, but you're just taking that next step. You're just putting your foot where the master's feet have been. You look forward and you say, oh, right there, okay, I put my foot right there. And this progressive nature of our relationship with God allows us to be confident that the kingdom of God grows slowly, progressively, but it grows surely. Jesus said that mustard seed, it, it results in a tree. It results in a, in a wide extensive growth and as that growth takes place the birds are able to come and nest in it there's all sorts of benefits that are taking place so we are able to rejoice we are confident that as we trust the Lord there will be growth it will be according to the pace that the Lord wants to have in our lives don't let anyone say to you how come you haven't done this and what about this and by this time no no you need to say, Lord God, am I being faithful to what you have called me to? And then I can rest assured. I can trust you to build me up and to build us up as a church slowly but surely. And in that growth, the kingdom of God, what Jesus speaks about, that, that tree of the mustard seed that grows into the whole tree, the yeast that works through the whole dough, the kingdom of God grows extensively and is not constrained. Once that yeast is placed into that dough, once that mustard seed is in that ground and it dies and it's now living, it's come alive to bear fruit and to, to grow in that way, there's nothing of the world, the flesh or the devil that can constrain it, that can restrict it, that can stop it because it is the work of God. And so we trust our God and we say, thank you, Lord, that that yeast works through the whole dough. It does what it's meant to do. It, is, it, it has the purpose of God to be fulfilled and therefore the growth of God cannot be constrained, cannot be hindered. That's the promise of God. And so that should give you great reassurance. If you have submitted your life to the Lord, if you have said to God, God, you do a work in me, I'm yielded to you, I'm giving you control, then you can be confident that God's work in you will not be hindered. God's work in you will progress. So, all of that brings me to this next point, that the kingdom of God 
grows from within. It's not this external building up. It's not that we come to God and we say, here's, here's something in my hand. Now I'll add to what you have done. It's God himself causing that growth from within. And it moves forward. It moves out. It encompasses what is, is, is in that context. But it is coming from within. As the Holy Spirit fills the earth. The kingdom of God advances in the world around us as the Holy Spirit fills the earth. The Bible says that in these last days, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. And our young men will dream dreams and our old men will see visions and we will have people prophesying and there will be a work of God in our midst. There will be signs and wonders, healings and deliverance. But most importantly, the role of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction, to bring conversion, to regeneration, to bring us to Jesus, the work of the Holy Spirit to be our advocate, the work of the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, the work of the Holy Spirit to be our helper, the work of the Holy Spirit to transform us into the likeness of Christ. That work of the Holy Spirit is progressing in the world today. And as that work of the Holy Spirit advances, the kingdom of God advances. But I want you to notice that the in particular, when you think about the yeast, the yeast is in the dough and it works from within to permeate all of the dough. It permeates into all the dough. That's what the word says. That's what you know from experience. At this time of the lockdown, I'm, I'm hearing that baking has become very popular. Everybody's baking and everybody's doing all sorts of recipes and sharing it and doing things. And guess what? When you're doing a lot of baking, you've gotten used to or you understand what it means to put yeast in dough and have it work through the whole dough. The Holy Spirit is permeating our lives. When we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, that word implies, or one of the ways, or one of the meanings that is implied in that word, filled, is this notion of being permeated, that there it would work through, that it would be in us and work through and be manifest in all of us, in, in all of our being. Now, many times when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, we speak about an external action. And on the day of Pentecost, for example, the Spirit was poured out. On other instances, we read about the Spirit was came upon them. We see in the Old Testament about the Holy Spirit coming upon people and anointing people or so on. And we talk about it and we think about it in sort of external terms, something that is coming from the outside. And absolutely, there is a truth to that and an understanding of that, uh, an experience there that we can easily say, yep, I understand this, I get this. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon us. But the Bible also speaks about the fact that when we came to know the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into us and it the holy spirit he is indwelling us and so now when we speak about being filled with the spirit we're not sp simply speaking about what would happen from the outside the oil and the water that is poured onto us we are anointed we are washed we are we are refreshed we receive living water no we're also speaking about the holy spirit that is 
in us that starts to fill us from within, permeates into all of us, into our being, into our thoughts, into our actions, into our mindsets, into our body, the bodies that we have that are temples of the Holy Spirit, holding the Holy Spirit. Don't ask, I, I can't explain to you how exactly that works, but I do know that the Holy Spirit is indwelling us and working from within us. In fact, there's a, the word says, out of your belly shall flow you know, streams of living water. Again, I, these are terms and phrases that you can't put a precise de definition to, but there is the understanding that would come from it to say the Holy Spirit is working from within me to permeate me and to fill me. So when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, I want to encourage you, just as even Carolyn was saying, you would take opportunity to go to the Lord. You may be in a corporate setting. You may be praying with somebody else. You may be praying on your own and you experience the power of the Holy Spirit. You experience the joy of the Holy Spirit. You experience the work of the Holy Spirit. You experience the purification of the Holy Spirit or the purifying work of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. But also pray for the work of the Holy Spirit inside you that the Holy Spirit that is already in you, that you have received when you said, Jesus, I accept the sacrifice that you made on my behalf. I accept the fact that you shed your blood for me. Because of that, Lord, I have received your Holy Spirit. I have received life. I have received this deposit guaranteeing that I will be with you for eternity. Now let the Holy Spirit fill me from the inside out so that I would radiate the glory of God from the inside. So for those that would um, in some ways be dismissive or maybe even minimize the external aspect of the filling of the Spirit, fine. Emphasize, pray for, and be actively engaged in the inward work of the Holy Spirit as well. And let the Holy Spirit fill you from the outside in and from the inside out. Through the rest of this month, as we have been praying through this month, we want to continue to wait upon the Lord to be filled with the Spirit. And when we do that, I believe that the kingdom of God grows. The kingdom of God grows in our lives personally. The kingdom of God grows in our households. The kingdom of God grows in our church. The kingdom of God grows in our region where we have impact. The kingdom of God grows in the city with thousands of other churches that are calling out people, calling out to the, to the Lord and waiting upon Him and having the Holy Spirit work in their lives also. The kingdom of God advances in this nation. The kingdom of God advances in this earth. Praise God for that. And the kingdom of God will continue to grow until Jesus returns. Until that narrow door is shut. At one point in the future, we don't know when, and as we've been speaking about and I've mentioned in previous weeks, it doesn't matter for us. If we are ready, we don't have to get ready for what that specific day will be when Jesus returns. We are ready. We're prepared. We, he could come tomorrow. We're, we're good. 
But when he returns, what Jesus is speaking about in this scripture is that the door will be closed. The opportunity for people to respond to this message, to this call, to this grace, to the salvation, that opportunity will end. And Jesus will come to establish his kingdom in all its fullness, in the consummation of all of these things that he has promised. At that point, there is no longer an opportunity to say, oh, I believe now. I want to come in now. Please open the door. In fact, the way that Jesus speaks about it to these very people who he is walking in the midst of and he's seeing them and they're interacting with him, he says, I never knew you. I never knew you. And then he says, depart from me, you evildoers. What was so evil? What was evil was that they did not recognize the time. They did not recognize the very Lord, the Savior that was in their midst. They did not pay attention to his word and to his invitation. They did not believe when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They rejected God. And in that rejection, they committed evil. And so the door will one day get shut. And those that were last, those that were coming in sort of barely squeaking and whatever, they get, they get to be in. And those that thought that they were living great lives and were good moral people or very religious or observant of rituals and rules and everything else, they're not even in. And the Bible says that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be remorse and regret and, and grief at that point. But it will be too late. So this morning I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you that we would respond to the word of God. Because the Bible says that in that last day, in verse 29 that we read, people will come from east and west and north and south. And they will take, <clears throat> they will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Next week, we're going to talk about the feast of the kingdom of God. What's the implication and how do you get ready for it? And what's the protocol? What are the good table manners that you need to have at the Feast of God? But this week, I want to encourage you that you remember that people from all over the world are going to be joined together into this kingdom. God's work will continue. God's work that is slow but sure will impact the entire world. He will cause those that are to be received into the kingdom to be saved. He will give them that opportunity. And as we do that, as we see the kingdom of God growing in that manner, filled in this world, we will see that there is a work of God that is causing the kingdom of God to grow and to, to its fullest extent, to what God has intended. So what does that mean for us? How should we respond? What should we do? How do we say to God, okay, God, let me respond to this word. Well, this morning I want to challenge you that you would say, Lord, my desire is to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that the kingdom of God may grow in and through me, in and through us collectively. New Life Fellowship Church, everybody who's listening to this later, wherever you would be joined together in a local body, that you would be saying, 
Oh God, my desire is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, outside in, inside out, everything, all of it, permeated in every way so that my whole being would be filled with the Holy Spirit so that the kingdom of God may grow in and through me, in and through us. That needs to be our response. So what does that mean for us in terms of application? How do we apply this word this morning? How do we say, God, I want to respond to you. What should I do? How do I respond to in action? Because we want to be hearers of the word and we want to be doers of that word that we hear. And so two things that I want to point out to you. One, pray with patience and persistence to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't come to the Lord one time and say, well, Lord, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you wait for five minutes, nothing happens, and you say, well, that didn't work. No. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. The disciples who were told after Jesus' resurrection to go to Jerusalem and wait, waited for at least close to 40, 45 days and they waited until on that day of Pentecost, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks' time here, until on that day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. They had to wait patiently. They had to wait in persistent prayer. They had to wait with faith. They had to say, God, you said this will happen. We wait. And so we pray with patience and perseverance to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why should you be filled with the Holy Spirit? What is the advantage of being filled with the Holy Spirit? What are the ways in which the Holy Spirit comes and does these these things in us? We've been talking about that in our weeknight prayers. We'll continue to talk about that. We'll deal with that in our Q&A sessions, Q&A sessions, all of that. But this morning, I want to challenge you that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is an imperative. It is a command. It is something that we have to receive to say, God, do this in me. So we pray with patience and persistence to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Today, this afternoon, right after you have a nap, pray. Pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you. Tomorrow, pray that the Holy Spirit would fill you. Pray that the Holy Spirit would have His way in your life. That you would be yielded and giving control to the Holy Spirit. And whatever way He manifests, however He would be working through your life. Let him do that. It's not going to look the same for each person. It will look different, but it will be the work of the Holy Spirit. And together, we will complement one another to say, okay, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in me. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. Together, we're able to do something better, bigger, you know, in a way that transcends our individual capabilities, but causes our corporate capabilities to cause the kingdom of God to advance. And then, Second point that I want to make to you. Pray, and as Jesus said, make every effort for personal and corporate growth. Make every effort for personal and corporate growth. You've got to say, God, I need to understand what to do, and I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but I want to do this so that I can be involved in growth, that the growth in me will be evident, that the growth in our church will be evident. What do I need to do for that, God? What is the personal or what is the effort that I need to make? Is it to set things right in my life? Great. 
Is it to serve in some capacity? Great. Is it to call somebody and to love them and to be compassionate to them and to pray with them? Great. Is it, what is it, Lord, that you would want me to do? What is the effort that I need to make that would cause growth to take place? So that's the, that's what I want to encourage you with this morning. That's what I want to challenge you with this morning, to say, how can we grow? How can we as a church be involved and instrumental in this work that the Holy Spirit would lead us into? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that, Lord, your kingdom grows, your kingdom advances, your kingdom has no end, your kingdom cannot be thwarted, your kingdom, Lord, will move in this world to accomplish all that you have intended. Your purpose will be fulfilled. You will do a work in our midst. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that. We want to be a part of that growth, Lord. We're not bystanders. We're not excluded. You have called us to be a part of that advance of the kingdom of God. And so we pray that we will pay attention to the work of the Holy Spirit, that we will listen to the Holy Spirit, and we will be filled with the Holy Spirit to do your work, to make every effort, not in our strength, but by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord God, we pray for that. We ask for that. Lord God, we pray that together, Lord, as a church, as each one of us grows, Lord, as each one of us matures as a disciple of Christ, that collectively we would see that growth resulting in wonderful, Lord, ways, ways that are building us up and causing healing and deliverance and, Lord, causing your word to go forth and many to be set free and for people to be added to the body of Christ. We ask for that, Lord. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come to you and to rejoice in you and to worship you. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.